Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And Lisa will not be with us again today. She is still off in the Middle East, lounging around in Jordan this week. Apparently, the Red Sea just keeps calling her her name. And um, she's actually going to miss a fabulous show with amazing guests today as we chat with two awesome individuals and hear how they've been able to be successful and move forward with the dream that God gave them. We will begin the show with Cindy Wood, author of The Frazzled Female, and later on in the show we have movie producer and director of standing firm Kyle Prohaska. And I hear this movie is awesome. Um, It's actually on Netflix and at Redbox currently. And according to the president of American Family Association, He states that it's a top-notch production, and the storyline is gripping, uh, just talking about the power of God to transform lives and how crystal clear it is, uh, especially to be used for um, believers who can have this as a dynamite tool to share the gospel with others. Well, I was blown away by Kyle's story, and I'm sure you will be too. So make sure you stay tuned as we unpack his adventure with God. Now for our treat with Cindy Wood the author of LifeWay's Frazzled Female series. She is a sought-after speaker and Bible teacher, guiding women to deal with daily stress by experiencing a practical and deep relationship with Jesus Christ. Her Frazzled Female events have taken taken her across the United States and into other countries, sharing the good news about Jesus with thousands of busy women who struggle with the many demands of 21st century living. Um, and I have to say right now, uh, first of all, just welcome, Cindy. <laughs> Thank you, Patty. Thank I, you. So happy to be here. Well, I, I was laughing that, um, you know, you struggle with the many demands of, of 21st century living. And um, I was going to go into the fact that uh, what I'm fighting frazzled right now. But before we go into my whining and complaining, because you're obviously not the person to, to whine to, um, you talked to <laughs> this morning, you sent me an email saying you've been <gasps> in the sweet trenches of birthing a new grandbaby as well as a new Bible study. So what an exciting time in your life. And today, um, this show is all about how some people manage to follow through with their dreams that God has given us. And you have definitely gone beyond the naysayers to join God's adventure. Um, but before we get into all the positive talk, I just have to tell yeah. you, I'm so, I'm so fighting frazzled right now. I had a crazy morning. I have um, people just, the phone just keeps ringing off the hook. I've been out of town for three days. I slid into my Mm. house last night, and I'm playing catch-up. 
including finding out that I have to take my daughter shopping for three different birthday parties that she's been invited to over the next couple of days. So I am really leaning into your secrets of how to fight or tackle or destroy the frazzle. (laughs) Uh, Well, Patty, welcome to life, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we can, we can say it all we want, but when you start applying Uh some of those secrets, sometimes, you know, just reality goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh Yeah. (laughs) So why do you think, why do you think so many women are frazzled today? Well, I think, I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head, you know. We are just having so many demands of life, and they involve our children and our husbands and the church and the workforce and our community, and I just think that all these demands are exceeding our ability to give. You know, we, we don't like to admit it, but we are not superheroes and superwomen, mm-hmm. and most women I know truly are living lives that are overstretched and overcommitted, and many of them are underslept, and, and it's just true that our bodies and our minds and our emotions cannot keep going that way. We will cave in. Mm-hmm. Well, I laugh. Uh, yeah. One of my girlfriends, um, she's in an executive position. And whenever we finally get together mm-hmm. for coffee, we always say, and this is such a sexist comment, but we always say we need a wife um, to do our laundry <laughs> yeah. and to do all the errands. <laughs> it's like, yeah, if we yeah. had a wife to do all these things, this would be awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Put me down. <laughs> exactly. So obviously, because you saw this need, you were prompted and God just led you to write the frazzled female. What, what exactly, how did you hear, you know, his whispers in this? Well, you know, I, I have to say it was just uh, because of sheer craziness. You know, I mean, you've heard it said that necessity is the mother of invention. Well, mm-hmm. at that time, my I had stepped out of a uh, teaching career that I absolutely loved, that I was birthing a new business, and at the time I was doing some um, team building skills and stress management in the corporate world while my husband was working on his MBA while holding down a a full-time job, and I had two crazy boys, Mm -hmm. so you know, I, I was just prime material for stress overload, and um, as I began to consider my crazy plight, And seeking the Lord about it, you know, I just talked to him about everything. He led me to the principles that actually changed my life and then commissioned me to put them forward in in a a study form in the Frasland Female. You know, um, I was reminded during that time, too, that Jesus says in his word in John 16, 33, he said, in this world you are going to have tribulation and trouble. You're going to be a Frasland Female, my paraphrase. And um, then he says, take heart because I have overcome the world. So for me, I I had to kind of just accept. That's where I was. Life was stressful. It was crazy. That's the nature of life, you know, as we've already said. But there's hope and there's peace in relationship with Jesus. And I am so thankful for that journey because Mm -hmm. it led me to the whole series of the Frazzled Female, (laughs) where I got help and and a lot of other women have too. (laughs) Well, that is so true, Cindy. I know um, whenever I I feel this way, I, you know, you do, you give it up to the Lord and it's like, okay, Mm. God, I have got to trust you right now to just give me your your peace that is beyond all understanding because 
I'm, I'm feeling frazzled and I, I'm feeling like I'm just not going to, to cut it. I'm not going to be able yeah. to, to get all these things done. And, you know, I, I know that many times it's because, okay, you could have done better with, you know, organizing yourself and planning ahead and you know, all those, mm-hmm. those tips and mm-hmm. yet you go, well, wait a minute. I, I feel like I, I was, you know, I strategized enough to, but things like you said, they just come up the unexpected with, with just what takes place with family and sure. um, it, it comes over and beyond what you think is the, just the necessities of, of what to do in your day. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. your your checklist is is just over and beyond. So, wh- what is what would be the best tip to handle stress, especially since you were teaching this in the in the corporate world? What were some of those, mm-hmm. those main tips that we can walk away with? Well, this is certainly one at the very top. I, I learned about fifteen or sixteen years ago the the art of taking a worry fast. Now, here, here's what I mean by this, and this is actually one of the defrazzlers spelled out in, in my teaching and in the series. You know, women worry. That, that's our job. We, we have husbands to worry about, the, uh, the, as you said earlier, the, the laundry, cooking. We have our children. Everybody's schedule. You know, somebody has to run all that stuff, and we seem to be the ones to do that. Well, in this particular time, or not I, I do remember. It. <laughs> we or well, we don't yeah. do it at all. <laughs> yeah, yes, somebody's in ahead. charge. <laughs> it, it, sometimes that being in charge is the decide the decision to not be in charge. But exactly. But anyway, as I was spreading over all the worrying, it occurred to me one day to to write down some of my worries on different slips of paper, and um, I can actually just see myself right now at that spot because it was so. It was so life-changing for me, and directed by the Lord, I know. I wrote these down, I folded them up, I put them in a little box that became my worry box, and I decided at that moment not to worry over all the things that I wrote down for three weeks. Now, see, that's the key. You have to put a time limit on it. You can't just say, I'm not going to worry, because you won't do that. But I discovered that I could put a small amount of time, and I could say, okay, I won't worry for that amount of time knowing that when I went back and I visited that place again, if I wanted to pick it up and worry again, I was free to do so. So you see the principle here. It still leaves me in charge. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I began that practice, and, you know, I have to tell you that even today, and I'm I'm standing right here in my kitchen looking at my worry boxes on my mantle in the next room. I have kept this process alive. And and the the times have changed, the elements have changed. Like back then, it was mostly over my kids and uh, some things going on in the community that I wanted to make a difference in. Um, you know, as you as you change, as you grow, as your life moves on, the worries don't go away, but they change. Mm-hmm. So they would change, and the time limit has changed. Sometimes I've realized that I need to put a shorter time limit on it. I feel like I'm going to have to address it again in maybe three days instead of three weeks. Mm-hmm. But what I discovered was that when I would go back, I would open my worry box, I would pull these slips out, that most of these things took either took care of themselves, regardless of the fact that I wasn't worrying over them, and some of them really took care of themselves because I didn't worry over them. 
it was just an awesome principle that, mm-hmm. that the Lord taught me to leave these things resting in his capable care and that he will take care of them in the way that he chooses. And, oh, my, what what a stress reliever for mm-hmm. me because, you know, when you, when you take worry out of your mind, you have a lot of time oh, for some yes. other yes. things. Because half of the things know? we worry about, <laughs> we really don't have to be worrying about. We can give it over to God. Well, we have less than 30 seconds. This just flew by talking with you. Actually, oh, we have 15 <laughs> seconds. So. In 15 seconds, Cindy, tell us how we can find you, because I know you're working on a new Bible study, and we want to be able to um, to find that. So tell us in 10 oh, seconds. Yes. <laughs> okay. I, I am birthing a new one right now. I'm pleased to announce a partnership with Abington Press in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, the title of this one is Anonymous, Discovering the Somebody You Are to God. And it's a Bible study based on the nameless women of the Bible. I, I'm inviting listeners to um, go to frazzlefemale.com and learn how you could possibly be a part of this by sharing your story. And some of the themes are, I'm so tired of hurting. And God, now, okay, so we get on that, com. we are going into it's our commercial break. It. Thank you. It. Propel it. Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Get ready to learn and play with Mrs. A, your host, Barbara Allison, Mondays at 11 a.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Did you know that kids are only 20% of the population, but they are 100% of the future? How are you preparing your child for that future? The years between the ages of 0 and 6 are crucial for learning and development. Barbara Allison is a teacher, parent, and author on supporting children's early learning. Learning starts even before a child is born, and parents are children's first teacher. Join Mrs. A for ideas, tips, and suggestions for fun learning and play activities as she helps you support your child. Starting early is starting smart. For more on Mrs. A, her books, the show, and her blog, check out her website, 123kindergarten.com. Then, come learn and play with Mrs. A with your host, Barbara Allison, Mondays at 11 a.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. How in the world can a first-time filmmaker with zero experience and a micro-budget today succeed in the filmmaking world. Well, we have no idea, but that is why we have asked Kyle Prohaska to be on our show and encourage us that, yes, when you follow God's dream, it really can happen. So joining us now is our very special guest. Uh, This guy has 
quite a story and we can all glean from how Kyle has jumped into life as he was the writer, director, and producer of the movie Standing Firm at a young age of 18. So hello, how are you, Kyle? I'm doing good, how are you? I am doing awesome. Well, I am so excited to have you on the show. And I have to say, um, your your movie, Standing Firm, um, you can, it was released in the movies and now it's on Redbox and also on Netflix. And is there other places? I, I believe it's on Amazon as well, correct? Yeah, it's on Amazon and in Christian bookstores and things like that. I don't know if anybody will find it at Redbox still. That kind of happened last year, but some people have been able to find it here and there. So that's kind of cool. Yes, in Arizona, you can find it. I, I looked it oh, up. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, so great. Okay, well, Kyle, I just have to jump right in. And um, first of all, when I, I read your, your background that you were 18 years old when you jumped into um, this whole project. And so many times in life, you know, we feel like God has given us this vision or this dream and we start moving forward. I mean, I have a son that's 19 and definitely when he tells me um, some of the things that he's really excited about doing, it's really easy to take our background experience and kind of be the naysayer because you, you want to protect them from moving forward and maybe it's in spending a lot of money or a lot of other people's money, whatever it is you you give them all the things in, in the, the realism of what could possibly take place and why this wouldn't work. And the fact that you went ahead and followed God's you know, dream, his calling, and took on this adventure is just, a, it's really a crazy miracle, I believe, and such a cool story. So tell us a little bit of your background and how you made this decision to move forward. Well, I was I was working at my church at the time. Um, I was in their media department, kind of filming the sermons and putting them together on DVDs and things like that. Um, but movie making never really felt possible because I was in kind of a tiny town, and movies were, you know, that that's Hollywood stuff. That's three thousand miles away. You know, that's not here. We can't make movies here. So I'd kind of put it off. I figured that'll never happen. Um, but uh, an elder of my church walked in with. Uh, a copy of Flywheel and Facing the Giants from, from Sherwood, and I had never heard of them before. Um, but I had watched them, and I watched specifically the behind-the-scenes and kind of saw that these were just normal folks trying to give this a, you know, give this a shot and, and see what could happen, and it, and it worked out for them. So that kind of gave me a little bit of a spark, like, hmm, maybe I can do this. Hmm. And, and then, so what, what happened from there? You you decide maybe well, I can't do this. Did you have people around you that said absolutely, Kyle, you can do this? Um, I, I think I I mean there were there were a number of people that were encouraging. I think everybody was skeptical to a degree, you know, but uh, and rightfully so because it just sounded so bizarre and out there. You know how how could how could we do this? This sounds impossible. Mm -hmm. um, but everybody, I think everyone was encouraging to a degree. There really wasn't anyone that was that was too pessimistic. And if they were, they kind of did it behind closed doors because they just didn't want, they didn't want to be that person. Um, <laughs> but everyone was, was just kind of excited and thinking, well, why not? Let's give this a try. Um, so we just kind of got started. And the company, uh, Praise Pictures, got, uh, you know, got uh, incorporated in 2007 um, uh, when I was about well, almost 20 or so, like 19 at that point, uh, and started writing the script. And by the next year, in 2008, we started shooting it. 
So did you, when you say um, praise pictures was formed, did you then get a board and then they went out and um, asked investors or did you have to do all of this? Um, praise pictures of, uh, started with, it was just me and, the, and this elder at my church named Kevin who helped me write it and, and helped me produce it. Um, it was just me and him. So there was no board. There was no big official anything. You know, we were kind of just going Lone Ranger on it um, and uh, and started writing. Uh, so, I mean, that, and, and investor-wise, we didn't have any investors. All the money was basically personal funds. Uh, I spent money over that year from 2007 to 2008 buying up equipment and things like that. So by the time 2008 came around and it was summer, we had enough gear to to give it a shot. Um, so it was very, very indie. It was not in the formal, official way that you would normally do things. Yeah. Well, I, I have to laugh when you say it's it was just you and this, this other guy. You said his name's Kevin? Yeah, his name was Kevin, yeah. And he's Kevin. since moved on, and I've moved to Georgia and things like that. So I'm I'm running to praise pictures now. But at the time, it was just kind of me and him doing this. Yeah, when when Lisa and I, God collided our world, and, and um, Lisa's the other host on the show, when we um, formed our ministry um, over 14 years ago, we were the board. And um, so it, it is kind of comical. It's the same way. It was everybody would ask us these exact same questions that I'm asking you. And um, we would laugh because we would say, I don't know, we're going to have to go ask the board. And then I would look at her and go, board, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> and um, <laughs> you know, we would go out for our Christmas celebration and, and say, you know, let's ask the board if we can um, pull funds together to have a Christmas celebration. And then we would look in our wallets to see how much money we <laughs> We had to go have our, <laughs> yeah, exactly. our Christmas dinner. So exactly. It's just funny how how you do things and you get started that way. And sometimes you feel as though you're doing it incorrectly because people keep asking you questions. You know, little things like, well, who's the president of your company? And it's like, well, yeah. I don't know. We need to go vote on that with the board. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure that's exactly how you guys were. Well, when did you develop a passion for filmmaking? Were you like Ron Howard where, you know, you when you, at a young age you were going, I am going to do this? Yeah, I mean, that that's really what it was. I mean, I just always loved movies and, and you know, I had uh, been reading tons of books for years since I was a kid and watching movies over and over again and try, just digging, you know, for, for any info I could find. Film school was always something that was kind of in my head, and um, but it just never seemed practical, never seemed possible. It seemed so kind of out there. You know, I grew up in a town called Ransonville that's about, at the time at least, it was like 1,200 people, you know, one stoplight. It's like it's just not, it's not <laughs> the place where you say, I want to be a filmmaker. Uh-huh. Um, so, so I was pursuing other things when this came around. You know, I was looking towards normal college and things like that, going to like engineering school or something. Um, but I dropped out, ended up working at my church, and then this movie stuff came along and just kind of gave me a whole new, di- uh, a whole new direction, you know, for my life. Mm-hmm. So, what was the first movie that you ever made? Um, I never, besides besides just a couple little high school videos that I did for video class, I'd never really made any movies or videos before. Um, I'd done like some live event recording stuff with with my church, and I'd done just those few little high school videos, but 
until I decided to really go after making that movie, I hadn't really started buying gear. Like, I didn't own anything. Mm. Um, you know, we had a little VHS, uh, you know, camcorder from, like, you know, the early 90s around our house. But uh, <laughs> not until, you know, a year or two or a few years before that movie came along did I even own a camera. Um, so it was a very, very fast kind of, let's, you know, I'm just going to dive in and go crazy um, type of thing. Well, you have some fabulous uh, actors and standing firm. How did you go about even doing that? Like you just, you're going up to people. Did you go to acting schools and look, you know, for the, the best actors? How did you even go through that process? Um, everybody that's in the film, except for Eric Stevenson, who played the son in the movie, everybody else was a part of our church. Um, so it was, it was very much, we were kind of following at the time, the Sherwood model, you know, it's like, let's just, let's just write a small story that's manageable that we can shoot in locations that are people's homes and things we can get a hold of for free, you know, and find people who can play these parts and pick folks that are kind of, they either fit the look that we're looking for, or they have personalities that are similar to what we're looking for. And that's how we picked folks. Um, I found Eric just through a friend, um, at a, at a local college. So I got a hold of him. He's the only kind of outsider, if you want to call him that, that was a part of the film. Other than that, you know, everybody that's in it are people we know. My pastor, my mom is in it. You know, like it was, it was very much a um, a group effort using people that we would see all the time. Okay, so who? What, what role does your mom play? Um, my mom played uh, the wife in the story. Um, so she played the mom that, that passes away in the story and, you know, then you get the whole, you know, the whole story goes from there, but she played, she played that part. Um, wow. She was happy to do it. Everybody was nervous and everybody was inexperienced. Nobody really had acting experience. Um, they'd never done any of this stuff before and, and neither had I. I'd never directed anything or written a, you know, a full screenplay or, or just none of it. We were all flying by the seat of our pants. Wow. Okay. Um, we only have two minutes before we go on a commercial break. So we'll, we'll talk about it and then we'll, we're going to have to follow up after the break. But um, as you're going through this, like you said, you're, you're dealing with um, actors that aren't professionals. Um, you, you have to have people telling you along the way that this is not even doable. Um, it, it's like, I, I don't know how you went through and maybe, you know, sometimes when we don't know, it's like ignorance is bliss. Uh, so you don't even think about that it's going to fail because you're just moving forward going, hey, you know, I'm just going to give it a shot. Is, is that what's taking place or are you? Yeah, I think so. I think it was just when you, when you want something for so long and you see even a, you know, a glimpse of an opportunity to make it happen, you pretty much will do anything for it. You know, and I think that was basically what what didn't just help us get it shot, but helped to get it completed and help me figure out how to sell it and just all of the things that came along, you know, that, that kind of raw ambition um, without a whole lot of other distractions either being so young at the time, not married and things like that really, really helped. So. That is just amazing. Well, we are going to go into our um, commercial break here, Kyle. And um, when we come back, we are going to continue talking um, with Kyle Prohaska, 
who was approximately 18 years old with no prior experience as a film director. And he and an elder at his church formed Praise Pictures and dove right into creating the movie Standing Firm. So stay with us and we'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90-plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one-of-a-kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu, Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Helen Wu was born and raised in San Francisco's Chinatown. And after a very difficult upbringing, fighting depression, abuse, and addictions, she finally finds herself genuinely happy inside and out. Helen believes in taking our positive thinking and doing something positive to achieve a positive outcome. She's here to make a positive difference in your life, to be your game changer, your aha moment mentor. She's ready to help both men and women get into a better place. Helen Wu is also the author of Self-Aid Success Stories, 25 Success Stories from Successful Entrepreneurs. Inspired by Ellen DeGeneres, Helen wants the world to know that just because we find ourselves in a difficult situation doesn't mean we have to stay there. We can aid ourselves to a better life. So join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. to Girlfriend at Radio. We are talking with Kyle Prohaska and just an amazing story. He's the producer, director, creator, writer, um, all around fabulous guy. And he formed uh, Praise Pictures, also uh, wrote and direct, like I said, all the fabulous things um, to the movie called Standing Firm. And we're just talking today about how God gives you a dream. And so many times, um, we we want to join God in that adventure, but the road to achieving that dream, um, so many times we let the negativity and uh, the no's and the naysayers that really, truly we have a tendency to listen to and we let them get, get in the way. And so we hope that today we can just challenge you to not get discouraged um, that so many times the only person that knows you like no other is you. So um, go with uh, what, what God is giving you in your gut to move forward. Believe in you. Believe in the dream that God has given you and, and set those goals. Don't stop because someone 
um, you know, throws it at you and all of a sudden the, the dream is dead. So um, we just are so excited to hear, Kyle, how you were able to move forward. You didn't listen to the naysayers and you took that dream and went beyond the obstacles and you saw that dream come true. So I just want to start talking about, um, first of all, you you have this um, praise pictures and you have Kevin and Elder in your church that you guys are moving forward. You're, you've gone along and you, you have all these actors that, like you said, weren't necessarily um, um, professionals, but uh, you're, you're move, moving forward with this. What are some of the huge obstacles that took place while you were trying to put this movie together? Well, we didn't, like I said, we didn't really have any money, so it was just kind of gear. Nobody was being paid. Everybody was being asked to give, a, you know, give their time kind of as a donation. Um, and, and that was hard. That was hard for everyone. You know, everybody has jobs and families, and it was extremely inconvenient um, to come and shoot sometimes. And the, uh, due to inexperience, I mean, we shot this film uh, because people weren't paid, of course, over a long period of time. It was over a year worth of shooting and all four seasons, you know, bringing people back over and over again because we could only shoot when people were available. It made it extremely difficult to schedule and figure it all out. So that, I think that was hard for everyone. Um, and then just the, just the, the lack of understanding about the process and um, just day to day, not knowing, is this even worth my time? Is this going to work? You know, is this all for nothing? Uh, will it even get finished? Uh, so that mm-hmm. was, that was a constant struggle uh, well, staring at the edit every day. There, Kyle. Um, when you're, when you're dealing with volunteers, uh, you had to be fabulous at casting the vision to get people excited and to keep them motivated. Like you said, they might be doing this going, am I putting in all of this time and spending time away from my family for something that's not even gonna, going to go anywhere? So how did you, I know for me, and I have that temperament where when so many volunteers are are doing this because they love the Lord and they they do want to see this incredible outcome and, and make a difference, but yet I always feel like I need to either pay them if you don't have it financially, that somehow you need to you know, be pouring into them one way or, or, or the other. Did you feel that way a lot with people that you're always asking them a favor? I mean, I tried as best I could to, to be encouraging. I mean, I I'm, I'm probably wasn't the most encouraging guy sometimes, um, but I think that that, you know, the people that I had volunteering were just really, really great people with great hearts. You know, they were, they were committed, you know, mm-hmm. that, I mean, that if any, anything you're involved in that requires volunteers, if you hire people that are flaky, that are, that haven't caught the vision, that are not invested, then you are going to have a tremendous amount of trouble. Um, so although it was hard for people, we really didn't have too many issues. You know, mm-hmm. folks were very gracious and very understanding and uh, and did a great job. We did get it finished eventually, but it just took such a long time to get there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're having to, you know, put all these people t- together. You're continuously calling them back. And I don't know if anybody has been part of part of a video. I know I, I helped... Um, be in in a, a video that was literally probably two minutes and this went on for two months just to put a two minute um it was like a a youtube song <laughs> and so we yeah. were doing yeah. things in the background i was blown away i thought oh for a two minute song i'll probably be there for a couple of hours 
And yeah, oh, just yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> the takes and the editing and now come back and do that. And oh, by the way, wear the same outfit you wore, you know, and it's like, wait, what outfit? Sure. Did you wear? <laughs> so well, the typical way that, that these things would go is you would, you know, if you were doing it the quote, the right way, you would schedule it over a month or something, you know, you'd shoot for 20 days and you would shoot every single day and maybe have weekends off. That would be the normal right way to shoot a film. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you're not dealing with paying people when this isn't their job, it, they can only give so much time, you know, and, and like the main home that we shot in was Kevin's house and his children go to school. So they'd leave for school. We'd hurry up and come in, get all our equipment in, shoot as long as we could. And then they get home from school at like two thirty, you know, <laughs> three o'clock. So we'd have to leave the house. So, you know, there are times when we could have uh, shot all day and probably gotten a lot more done, but you're shooting in people's real homes, just mm-hmm. not practical. You know? So between that and people's schedules, it took quite a while to get things completed. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. So what would be an, another obstacle? Well, I would say the hardest part, you know, was getting the thing actually complete. Like once we got everything shot for the most part, you know, I'm going through different life, you know, changes of my own where I'm trying to figure out what to do with my life. I wasn't sure if the movie stuff was really going to be it. Didn't know if it was going to get finished. Um, so I'm sitting there in about 2009 at this point, and it was summer, and I had gotten a job opportunity in California, and it was a big debate about should I take it, should I not take it, and I did take it. So I have this unfinished movie. I pack my car really quickly, tell my parents goodbye, move 3,000 miles. That job did not work out. I spent a bunch of my savings, so I packed my car again, and I came home. There was another opportunity in Memphis that in the same summer had me going to Memphis now, so I packed my car, go to Memphis. And that didn't work out, and I go home. So over a span of a couple months, I had moved to, you know, 5,000 miles, and I was back home with no savings, no opportunities, no job, you know, nothing on the horizon whatsoever, no college because I had dropped out to work, you know, at my church and stuff. And I wasn't working at the church anymore since I had left it to go to California. All I have is this unfinished movie. That was the only thing I had to point to, like maybe this movie could help be my future but I, I have to find out. Like, I have to finish it in order to know. So the, from that point forward, I was invested 100%. Like, I'm going to see if this can work to see if this movie could give me a future in a financial sense. Because I'd always wanted to get married and have a family and do all the things you want to do with your life. But I didn't have any uh, anything to kind of ride on. You know, I just had this unfinished movie that maybe could have been sold. I wasn't sure, you know. So that, that really was difficult, mm. sitting there every day, not knowing if this was going to be a total bust or not, you know, whether and the years of work at that point were worth anything. That is huge. So you had already started the project, and then what did you tell everyone when you decided to take this job in California? I don't, I don't remember really what I told everyone. I mean, the project was, was not... Uh, was not in the sort of shape that it needed to be in. There were still some things that needed to be shot. Um, I mean, I just wasn't sure what was going to happen at the time. I mean, looking back on it, I just, I know that God kind of moved me around that summer to to get me back home and get me Mm -hmm. to a place where I was like in the bottom of the valley where I had nothing left besides the film because had that really not been the case, I don't think I would have finished it. You know, if I didn't have anything but that left, I probably wouldn't have had the the uh, the energy 
to get it done and and really just knuckle down and finish and get it sold and figure out how okay how do I get this on a shelf how do I you know make this into something tangible um, and get it out there to the people that we were hoping to in the first place. I love talking to someone that was able to make it to the promised land because so many times exactly what you said when you're in that valley it's like you know you're you're wandering the desert for forty years. And um, I like to call it the land in between <laughs> when you really are in yeah. place and you're begging God to show up and give you clarity. And sometimes that is the clarity. And that worst part, that dark, the darkest hours is when God is chiseling you. And when you when you finally come out to the promised land, but you look back and you're able to go, yeah, he had to do that for my back to be up against the wall to move me forward to make that decision. And so um, it's so cool when you talk to people that have hit that valley and what they've learned from it, and now they're on the other side because it gives you hope of, you know, these obstacles are nothing compared. But so many times we look at those obstacles and go, oh, well, maybe God is saying don't go in this direction, that this obstacle, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's really praying for that discernment. Um, we just have a couple minutes before commercial break. Um, tell us, Kyle, just how you were able to, um, I mean, even, yeah, how was your spiritual walk when you were going through that, that valley? Were you in at that point where you were just begging God to show up and, and give you that clarity? Yeah, looking back on it, I think my faith was probably the strongest that it's been in a long time. You know, I mean, it's, you hit, you kind of hit highs and lows. And it's kind of your life is sort of like a wave um, that you ride most of the time. When I hit bottom like that, I mean, it was kind of a mix of of, of anger and sadness and depression, and and also just a weird mix of faith. Like, if I'm going to do this, now's the time. I have nothing. What do I have to lose? You know, like if it, if I'm going to try it ever before I try and get a normal job, now's the time to just try and get this thing done. So it, some of it's just blind ambition, some of it's faith, some of it, I, I, you know, I'll admit some of that was probably just pride on my part. Like I just refused to believe that it wasn't going to get done, that all of that work was for nothing. You know, I had so many people looking at me wondering where, where is it? Is it done? Can I see it? You know, people who had invested their time that I, mm. I gave them confidence, you know, and here I am sitting here without it, without it done. So it was just, it was very, very difficult. And, the, you know, the emotional release when it hit shelves was tremendous. Well, we want to talk about that. We want to talk about that emotional relief when it hit the shelves and how you were able to even get it on the shelves from that point. Um, I, I just have to say, uh, I can't imagine, especially, you know, uh, once again, just being at the age you were and having so many people rely on you to make those huge decisions, I'm so impressed with what you were able to do. And it, there's a great uh, quote from Tavis Smiley talking about the choices we make about the lives we live determine the kinds of leg- legacies we leave. And we will be right back after this commercial break. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it. 
Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Listen, something is brewing. The beautiful business evolution is coming. The way we do business is about to change for the better, forever. This is real business at its very best. On Beautiful Business Radio, you will learn what it means to truly prosper, how to nourish yourself and your business, how to earn what you deserve and make a difference in the world. The tide is rising. The change is here. Discover a new way to live, love, and partner with yourself and your business on Philippa Rollins Presents Beautiful Business Radio, where you matter and your business thrives every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back to our show. This day we are talking about following God's dream. And joining us now, once again, is our special guest, Kyle, producer of the movie Standing Firm. And we've been discussing just all the crazy things that can happen once God gives you that whisper um, for your purpose and that dream that he would love for you to join him on. And um, Kyle, you've been talking about all the obstacles and we've gone through um, how you were able to get out of that valley and move forward. And now we have this movie. It's finally finished, and we're getting ready to put it on the shelves. How in the world did you go about doing that, and how did you even know like who to contact to make that happen? Well, I had been in contact with a friend of mine uh, who's become a good friend named Rich Cristiano, who has made quite a few Christian movies that people might recognize. Um, and he was very helpful. He's become kind of a little bit of a mentor to me in terms of business. And he, he was able to open a few doors and get me a few contacts, um, which led me to the company that helped put it on the shelf. Uh, and really, I just kind of was, was going through this slowly, trying to figure things out, trying to ask people questions. Um, and, we, you know, we found a distributor. So they got it on a shelf in August 2010. Uh, after my uh, after my 22nd birthday, so it had been a couple years since you know Praise Picture started. Now I'm I'm much older, and you know the movie's hitting shelves, and I was just mind blown that it was actually in a store somewhere, you know, where people were able to go get it. Uh, that was that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have to ask you, what did you just do to celebrate that when you finally had it out there, and to know that it it is in its completion? I think I think it, I mean there was no there was no big celebration. I mean with these sort of things that had been such a long exhausting process that 
you know, it was almost just internal where like I sat in my, in my office, you know, um, in my, and I was still living at my parents' house. I'm sitting there and I'm just in my, in my office chair, soaking it all in. You know, there was no big party. There was no huge rap party or any huge, like, big premiere thing where there was food and crazy, you know, crazy stuff going on. It was just sitting and soaking in the accomplishment by myself. You know, that was almost better than having some big shindig or something. Um, That's so interesting. Such an emotional release. Yes. It's so interesting, though. Um, I know, you know, once again, when Lisa and I, um, we did. Uh, Girlfriends Unlimited Ministry, and the first time we ever went to another church that was uh, that had this ministry, and to be able to to see um, all of this, the hard work that went into this, and how much God propelled it forward, it was the exact same experience where we looked at each other and you thought we should be celebrating this. I mean, this is just wild <laughs> that we were able to join yeah. God this way, and yet you don't because it's almost so surreal. That, like you said, you just have yeah, to... Yeah, and, the, and the, the stuff that comes in that matters the most, you know, the thing... I mean, getting, the accomplishment, the accomplishment really is more of the... It matters, but it's easy to be selfish about that. I mean, mm. the stuff that really you grab onto that really matters is when you start getting, like, testimonies from people. The you know, like, you know, we got just emails. You start getting emails from mm-hmm. folks that you've never met. You'll probably never meet them. You know, but what you made and all that time spent affected them somehow. There was like a girl from India who comes from a Hindu family that hates her faith. And watching mm-hmm. this movie helped her regain some confidence, you know, to keep praying for them and keep dealing with because she's in a rough situation. And this movie gave her, you know, a leg up. You know, that's the sort of stuff where you go, was that time worth it? Of course it was. You yeah, know, it's absolutely. like, of course it was. Look at this. You know, look at this email. Look at this person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it really, it's, it's amazing and it's easy to forget. It's easy to forget amongst all that hard work that what you're really doing it for. I mean, you, you're making stuff that's going to impact people. Um, and everybody's got to make a living, you know, these movies need to help support my family, you know, so I can keep making them, you know, you can't do them without them supporting you. But, um, but the fact that they impact folks is, is, is really, really amazing. And, and I try and keep, you know, my, my, my mind on that. As best I can. And I love that God even gives you that opportunity to see the feedback because, you know, he doesn't have to do that. But it's really neat when you get to hear the stories and be able to see what's in place and and truly how hard it is um, in in going forward to to know that there will be um, an outcome that you can see where you were able to make a difference. And I do have to say a plug for the movie Noah. Um, one of the production companies, Grace Media, has asked us to put that out there, that that movie is coming out this month. Um, and I know Craig Gross is a good friend of mine. His son um, is is in this movie. So if you guys get an opportunity to go um, see Noah, um, that is supposedly supposed to be a fabulous movie, even though I haven't even been able, had the opportunity to really watch the trailers on that. But um, so... I want to hear a little bit more, Kyle, about your what's going on in your personal life. Because you said this is in 2010. Um, I mean, at some point, are you even dating? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I met my wife in December 2009 after all that craziness of moving around uh, at a Christmas party. And uh, we were pretty much, 
we were pretty much sure that we were going to marry each other very, very fast. The movie was getting done, and you know, and I was looking towards okay, now I have to start supporting someone soon, and this movie needs to get finished, and you know, we want kids, and how are we going to do that? And so the movie comes out in August 2010. We get married uh, January 2011. Uh, we moved to Georgia uh, after she gets pregnant. A few months later, we're moving in the fall of 2011, and we end up in Georgia near Atlanta. Um, and then we have our son and, you know, working on, trying to work on the next movie. And it's just, it's been insane. I mean, this whole, ever <laughs> since Standing Firm came into my life, it's been a whirlwind of life stage mm-hmm. changes, um, that have pushed me, you know, I didn't walk into them. I just got shoved into, into the next state, you know, the next stage of life, um, learning as I went along. <laughs> uh, and, and it's been, it's been pretty crazy around here since uh since like 2007 you know 2008 my life has been very different (laughs) so so now at this point are you going i love this process now you're you're married you know you're making babies are you going i'm gonna i'm gonna birth not only some kids here but i am going to birth another movie are you ready to take on that challenge again well what we did is i sat down because my wife had a um had a degree in English, so we should, you know, I kind of would ask her questions when I'd have story ideas, and we came up with a few, and we weren't sure which ones to go with, uh, and we landed on we landed on one um, that that we really liked, and I really liked it, and it seemed manageable from a production and budget standpoint. Uh, so I went, I got to writing that. Uh, we just actually shot it this past September. The only trouble was is uh, Denise was pregnant with our daughter, and by the time doing the movie came along, she was nine months pregnant and ready to pop. And, uh, it was either, do we make this movie this year? Because if we don't, we might never do it. You know, how are we going to do this? Having a family and being a filmmaker is really, really difficult. Um, you know, and supporting yourself is really, really difficult, but we were able to get the budget quickly, find investors, uh, not without a ton of trouble, of course, but we got it shot in September and now it's in post-production and hopefully, Unlike last time, uh, looking to get the film finished and released in uh, uh, in a very short amount of time, we're going to hopefully release it this upcoming fall on DVD. Wow, that is awesome! So, are you are you working in the in the same direction where you're um, just trying to go into a house and work till the kids get home from school? <laughs> are you able to? No. This- around and really had to right all the wrongs last time, you know, find, find a real budget, you know, be able to pay people, find good actors that are really, you know, that are real actors who they do this for a living, get, you know, crew members. Um, we had actually a ton of uh, seven different crew members staying in our house, which was pretty crazy having all these people in our home. Um, but, uh, but, you know, thank goodness my wife was gracious, but we, we were able to, to get our money and, get people that we could actually pay that were really good at what they do. And we got the film shot again. What did it take last time? Like a year and a half of shooting on and off over four seasons. This one, we shot it in 19 days in the month of September. You know, that's how you do a movie. Um, wow. So, so it, what was, is the, it was very different from last time. What we have three minutes till we're at the end of the show, Kyle. And um, I just want to hear what was the premise what you know? How? What was? Where was your passion there that you wanted to put this movie together? And how can we find out more information? The movie is called Love Covers All. Uh, you can find out more about it at lovecoversallmovie.com. dot um, 
and the film is about, uh, the basic premise is about a young guy who has his uh, faith put to the test when he gets stranded out of state when his wife goes into labor back home. So he's hours and hours away, and she's in labor back home, and he wants to get there, and he can't get to her. Uh, it's just a really good situation to throw a young guy into in order to test his faith. Um, so that's kind of the basic idea of the movie. I haven't gotten really good at pitching it, but that's the basic idea. <laughs> well, I thought you did a fabulous job. And as you were saying it, I was thinking, okay, is this something that um, you started dreaming about as you were going through being the father of a newborn? I think it's really, really easy for movies to imitate life. You know, you come up with stories that just, they, they really, they, they're a reflection of what's going on in your life. You know, and even the way we shot the film where my wife is pregnant and she's cooking food for crew and I'm thinking at any moment, you know, I could get a phone call and she's going to go into labor while we're shooting this movie. You know, I mean, it's just life imitates art, mm -hmm. it seems, all the time. Um, but I'm really looking forward to releasing this one. I mean, the last one was so fluky and crazy the way it was done that this was the one that really feels like now I'm putting myself to the test. Can I really do this for real? You know, can I really make a movie the more proper way and make it profitable to make sure that investors are happy? And can I take care of my family? Can I do this with a family? Last time I did most of it without one. It's mm -hmm. very different when you have people to support besides yourself. Um, so it's it's going to be pretty crazy. But this year we're really looking forward to releasing it, and we hope we can get it into all the different avenues that we did last time. Well, in 30 seconds, Kyle, give us a tip on how you can just move forward, follow the dream that God's given you, and um, overcome all those obstacles. I think you just have to have God at the center of your life. You have to keep Him at the core, um, and you have to continually ask Him. You have to read His Word. You cannot go just on feelings and emotions, because that's too easy uh, to follow into the wrong places. So keeping God at the center and keeping Him at the core Getting counsel from others that know what they're talking about um, is, is really, really important. So all those things combined is really what I would suggest. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you for being on the show today. And once again, the, uh, the film coming up is Love Covers All. You can find more information about that going to lovecoversall.com. Make sure you go see the movie Noah. And thank you for choosing Girlfriend Radio. We want to challenge you today to go out and join God's adventure. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. 